And good evening and welcome to Camelot Castle TV Network at the slightly earlier time tonight of 8 o'clock. We do also have a show at 9.30, but tonight we are joined by somebody who has become a legend within the freedom movement. Uh, Austin Fletcher is joining us uh, from California. And before he, before we introduce him to you, I'm just going to give you a brief concept of Austin in action. And uh, here he is. Austin Fletcher is becoming a legend online. He operates a YouTube channel where he interviews protesters to find out how much they really know about the things they're protesting. You can imagine the results. Here's an example. Racism, constantly. Where are you seeing racism? On television. <laughs> Anywhere, really. Like, what has he done that's racist, I'm saying? I don't know. Do you think Trump is racist? Well, I know that. Against who? Says, uh, let's make America white again. But what about in the 90s when Jesse Jackson gave him an award for being a champion to the black community? Hey. Yep. His campaign was modeled based on Hitler's. Sure, he's not as bad as Hitler currently, but if he gets his way, eventually he will be. You think he's going to kill six million Jews? Steve Bannon would love that. I don't think it will happen, no, but they would love for that to happen. Illegal immigrants. Everyone is a part. There's no illegal people. Who'd you vote for? Oh, oh what about building the wall? <laughs> we won't even talk about that. He's guilty. Of what? Treason. Where'd you see that? Why? Where is he? Yeah, where did he do treason? Oh, you know the answer to that. No, I don't, because it's not true. Austin Fletcher joins us tonight. So you're making friends out there in protest land. Um, has anyone ever gone after you? I mean, do they understand what the game is when you go and interview them? Uh, they actually don't. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the weird outfits I wear. Uh, I carry a spoon attached to a microphone, so they kind of discredit me. And I also have, like, you know, my beard, and I kind of look like a hipster. So they think I'm on their side when I approach them. I just ask them some basic questions. I say, what are you doing here? Who did you vote for? What does your sign say? And I kind of let them speak for themselves. And the things they're saying are pretty ridiculous. Like, I'm a free market person, Tucker, so I want to hear people's beliefs. I want to hear their thoughts all the way through. And when yeah. I do, then it's kind of for everyone else to decide whether or not they make sense or deserve credibility. So uh, I, I, I know that well. So be honest. Of the people you interview, what percentage have a kind of thoughtful explanation for why they're there and what they believe? Um, I would say 5 to 10% legitimately. Whoa. Oh, it's that low. Yeah, it's, it, it's not good. Um, they really don't understand. They're, they're fighting an emotional war. They're acting based on yeah. feelings. Um, they come out to these events and they think they're doing, you know, a just, they're uh, participating in a just cause when realistically they're acting on misinformation and you're really becoming victims to the mainstream media's liberal narrative that's completely dividing this country. So, really quick, have you noticed that the less they know, the more angry they are? I'm sorry? Have you noticed that the less they know, the angrier they are? Oh, absolutely. And there's this thing going on right now where the more outraged you are, the more justified you must be. And right. the liberal media is falling right into that trap. And the people are out there. I know there's a woman the other day who was out on Hollywood Boulevard on a megaphone screaming, Donald Trump is worse than Hitler. And I was standing next to a guy whose family died in the Holocaust. And he was yeah. really offended by that. But, yeah. you know, well, they get credibility. She must be a very good person to be that angry. Yeah, it makes me never want to be angry again. <laughs> Austin, thank you for coming on. Good to see you. Thanks for having me, Tucker. Well, tonight we are joined by Austin Fletcher, who is really a YouTube and social media legend. But, you know, what is more interesting, perhaps, and I think what we're going to find out tonight, is that Austin is actually a primary leader in thought in the United States of America. And um, it is our great pleasure to welcome him on camera to Camelot Castle. Austin. Hi, Austin. How are you? Where are you, where are you this evening? Uh, I'm just outside of L.A. Uh, in a suburb called Covina, California. I actually used to live downtown right near Skid Row, which is a really bad area downtown. And six months ago, my spidey sense was going. I knew I should get out of town. I felt like some 
uh, riots or civil unrest was coming, and sure enough, here we are. Well, you, you, that's uh, definitely good a, a good perception, no question. Um, you know, you've got uh, thousands of followers, or I should say hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. Uh, your videos have been viewed by millions of people. You're a regular contributor to Fox News and to various other different channels. How did you get started and, and what made you decide that this was something that you wanted to really make your, your passion? Yeah, so um, I graduated college in 2012 and in college I wasn't the most political person. I didn't pay much attention to it. I, you know, I thought Obama was a good president because of hope and change, first black me. And I kind of realized people had that similar experience where they really politics, but found themselves aligning with the center left you know, moral reasons. They felt like they had the moral high ground, they're, they're good people, they, they care about the everyday person. Be a Democrat. That wake-up process I had when I saw the lies in 2016 being told about Donald Trump really made me realize that the media is dividing this country and that division is only getting worse and worse and the media are sharing the truth, they're motivated by clicks and I kind of realized that there needs to be mainstream it is uh, transferring to independent sources people motivated by the by a corporate agenda. I decided to you know take it to the streets I moved out to LA I actually had a finance job in New York I was working on Wall Street for a few years uh, at Citigroup and I quit my job to move to LA to be a comedian and uh, right away I wasn't getting much work but then I started doing these protest videos and everyone in Hollywood said, you got to stop the protest videos. No one's going to hire you if you're for Trump. And I just told them, you know, no one's really hiring me anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to it. The conservative right is completely underserved when it comes to entertainment and media in general. No one's really telling their story. So I decided to start doing these protest videos and uh, to just to show what the people on the street are really saying. Because the media has raised the political that the silent majority would rather just forfeit the narrative. They'd rather say, you know... I don't want to get called racist or homophobic or sexist or whatever. Because of that, years and years of that, we've completely forfeited the narrative and we've given power to people who, you know, if you put a microphone in their face, can't even explain their positions. So my goal with starting the channel was to show that you don't need a million dollar studio. You don't need, you know, to be Don Lemon on CNN to get the message out there. The people would prefer the truth, even if it's underproduced. So I started going out and showing the, you know, the truth here in L.A. I have a easy, like my, my microphone is attached to a spoon, as I said in Tucker. Um, and that makes it just kind of, it discredits me in their eyes, but it also gives them the position of authority to kind of like, like really explain their views and talk down to me in a little, in a, in a way. Nice. So the goal was to kind of, you know, have a lower production thing and really encourage everyday Americans to get involved. Because if you go out there and put a microphone and a camera in these people's faces, it takes one or two questions until you realize that they have, a, you know, a surface level understanding of whatever the issue is. Well, I think you've, you've, it's, it's quite genius, really. And it reminds me of, of, of an idea that somebody said to me once is that nothing can really get in the way of the truth. And, of mm. course, the one thing that is missing from the mainstream media narrative today is the raw truth. And I think what you do, more than anybody, I think, that I've seen in the, in the Trump movement, is you get into the nooks and crannies. Mm. You go boldly where perhaps the mainstream media should be going. I don't know if you are aware of your media history, but William Hurst, who was, of course, the king of tabloid journalists, when he bought his newspapers initially... Uh, he banned his journalists from taking uh, stories off of the wire in those days. If you remember, they had the, the telegraph and the stories would come over the wires, which, of course, was the precursor to the Internet. And they actually banned, he banned journalists. He said, listen, stories, you will find them with people. Go and talk to the people and that's where you will find your stories. So I think uh, even though the politics of William Hurst was a bit suspect, um, you know his his methods. Uh, you're 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 following in 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 the great passion. You see, I think the other thing is that um, people have the wrong idea of people uh, that are behind the president. They're not anti good media. They're not against the truth. Um, but what they are against is is fake media bias. 
And, you know, if you listen to the media here in England, mm. you would have thought that, you know, the average person in America is really very, very upset with how President Trump is doing. In fact, I was speaking to a, a, a delightful farming friend of mine now who knows that we've supported the president down here in Cornwall. He said, well, John, surely now, uh, after all this, you must, uh, you, you don't think that the president uh, can be doing well. I said, well, hang on a second. Um, you've just been paying attention to the BBC again, which, of course, uh, uh, we call that the British Bullshitting Corporation, to be absolutely honest. But um, could you tell us, what what is going on from your perspective? What is going on in California now? So yeah, and I'm totally with you on that um, and your perspective on the media. Basically, what I'm seeing is the media has committed to this narrative that Donald Trump is a monster. He's the next coming of Hitler. He's going to put us in camps, get us blown up, go to war, all these horrible things. And they are, I think they're motivated by clicks. They're kind of committed to this narrative that started before even 2016. But I think the opportunity here is, like for me, when I first woke up to politics, it was seeing the media's lies on a grand scale. It was seeing a multi-billion dollar corporation, you know, put us into wars or tell us lies about, you know, X, Y, Z thing. At that time, it was Donald Trump. So I think that's like an opportunity because Every time the media lies and they're exposed, I think their audience shrinks a little bit, and then it forces them to stretch the truth to regain those clicks and make up for lost ground. So I think a lot of people are going to start to wake up when they see one media lie, and then they go, wait, you know, CNN lied about that? What else are they lying about? And it kind of brings people to the rabbit hole. And when you see these lies on such a grand scale, it kind of, it's like, it's hard to go back to sleep after that. So I think in California, the people are very upset, and there are people who are protesting for just reasons. They have a point. They can protest police brutality, First Amendment, totally cool. But there is a group within, there's multiple groups within, like Antifa, the looters, the rioters, people who want violence, that the protesters really aren't disavowing, and the politicians aren't disavowing either. Mm. And they're not really offering the same grace that they would like to receive. Like, you know, for the police uh, example, you know, there, if you say all cops are, they have a, a saying, ACAB, all cops are bastards. Mm. That's what they say. That's what they spray paint on the walls. And, you know, if you, if you go by that, like that, will, that mindset will take society into a negative direction. If you broad brush paint police as evil, most of the stuff, police are by far a net positive. So it's like if that mindset really takes society into a negative direction. And I think that's what we're seeing with um, these protesters. It's like just like the protesters. Not every protester is a looter or rioter um, or, you know, Antifa. But if they refuse to acknowledge the problems within their group, they're doing they're becoming the, the monster that they try to fight. They're, they're becoming the problem that they hate. So what, I, what I'm trying to do in L.A. is to kind of unite people around the message that they want to, you know, they want to provide, which is, you know, police brutality is a problem. That's fine. But there needs to be a little bit more accountability within the protesting group itself, because the way it goes now and the problem, I think, bigger picture is the echo chambers is the media reports, you know, peaceful protesters. Here's some police brutality. And then on the right side, we're seeing here's an old woman getting beat up. Here's a guy getting kicked in the head. Here's someone having their entire livelihood, their business burned down. And the left isn't seeing that. So on the right, we're getting mad and kind of getting frustrated on the left. They think that, you know, we're trying to label them all anarchists, Antifa, when in reality, the truth is in the middle. Most people in America are around the political middle, but the media wants us to think we're all on the fringes and on the outside. Mm -hmm. So if we can get some people to see some media lies and realize that the teams aren't left versus right, black versus white, man versus woman, gay versus straight, however they want to break it down. And the real opponents are actually people who are for and against America. And I think on a bigger, bigger scale, it's like the media is trying to usher in a race war, it feels like, and it's really disguising a class war. So they want the, the 1% of the 1%, the super elites, the people, the powers that be, they want us fighting with each other, man versus woman, gay versus straight, whatever, black versus white. But in reality, they just don't want us to team up, realize we have a lot in common, and the true enemy is above, not next to us. Mm, that's a good point. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, I... Um, uh, you know, obviously one sees and reads and experiences, if you experience the internet, you experience a lot of conspiracy theory or what passes for conspiracy theory. Um, you know, and we've seen it all. 
But one of the points that, that hits home to me is if, if, if you were a really, really evilly intentioned person and you wanted to come up with a better plan to attempt to bring a duly elected president of the United States down and prevent him from being elected, I think you'd be hard pushed to have come up with a better plan uh, than what we've been witnessing in 2020. Um, you know, if we'd all sat around a table and gone, okay, let's use our all possible genius to come up with something that could try to prevent this. Um, and, and what I want to know is, is how, in reality, from what you're seeing, how is President Trump's support holding up within his, you know, people that were supporting them, are they still supporting him? Is he, has he lost voters? Mm -hmm. What are you What are you seeing? Uh, you know, what do you feel from? Because you're speaking to the people who who do vote for Trump, the people who don't vote for Trump. You're surveying a vast number of voters. Really, mm -hmm. you're going to the people with the vote. Uh, wh what is happening? Has his position strengthened? Has it weakened? What are you seeing? I think this has been a major wake up call um, for people who call themselves Trump supporters, conservatives, libertarians, Republicans, however you break it down. Um, before this conflict happened, uh, and even before coronavirus, there was some division. Some people were disagreeing with some Trump on some policies. There was some natural debates going on, some people that were, you know, a little frustrated. But then once coronavirus and now this um, this conflict have, you know, come into the picture, I think it's actually been a uniting force. Uh, we have like a common enemy now. It's these communist anarchist people who are literally burning down cities and trying to destroy the country. So I think whatever issues there were in the past kind of got, I don't want to say thrown out, but like pushed to the side and we reprioritized who our common enemy is and what's really going on in bigger picture. I think the right is starting to unite stronger than ever because they see like, hey, you know, you remember we talked about the Second Amendment and debated that for so long. And well, I don't Trump, think the second know, I don't think the Second Amendment is going to be up for debate for a while. Exactly. Exactly. Like <laughs> you we, were, know. we were going back and forth with that. And then some people were worried that Trump was going to you know, put red flag laws into place. And we we're fighting about that. You know, they're getting really upset. But then once a, a part of the country starts to, you know, go on fire and people start attacking and looting, everyone kind of came together and realized the bigger picture goal and it's to save this country and it's to provide a better future for everyone who loves this country. So I think the, the, the Trump base is strong. I think also though the, the engaged left wing base is getting stronger too because racial conflict always, always does that. Um, and also you see this happen a lot before elections. Like if you look at the Google trends for the term Black Lives Matter, you see it speak, um, peak in 2016, you see it peak in 2020. Mm. Uh, that's just kind of how it goes. Every election, they tend to really make race an issue to control the black vote, which is unfortunate, uh, because if you do look, look into it, Trump hasn't, uh, has actually been helpful to the black community. Mm. Well, I think our, our mutual friend Candace Owens has been really speaking very well to that. And um, she's been pointing that out and being very, very effective. Um, one of the things I did note, there was a report that actually black support for President Trump is now up to over 40 percent. Um, why is that? I mean, you know, and, and have you observed that within the black community? I have noticed that um, even just in a personal, um, my, you know, my personal life, I've had uh, I have three or four black friends now who in the beginning were, you know, against Trump. He's a racist. How can you support this guy? And they're slowly coming around uh, and realizing like, oh, he's done some pretty good stuff. You know, opportunity zones were great. Um, the First Step Act was great. Before coronavirus, unemployment was low. So there were really good things that were happening that were undeniably good. And here in America, I'm sure it's similar in uh, the UK, but um, your, your people's pockets are kind of where they vote. So economically, if things are getting better, people are working and making more money, taxes are lower, that's going to be the deciding factor for a lot of people, um, unless, of course, the media tries to usher in this racial division as they're doing now. So it, get, it does get tricky. Um, but I've adjusted my, my angle on a bunch of videos to try to win people over. And I've been, I don't know if you guys have seen, but I've done a bunch of a series called Trump's Not That Bad. Mm. 
Oh, yes, I yes, and, I did. Now, where can people yeah. find, look, for people that don't know you, let's say, that are watching, because you'll have a load of new people. We've actually, I can see we've got quite a lot of people on the feed, and I would ask everybody to share this feed now, because the information you're going to be getting here from Austin is not information you're going to be getting from the mainstream media. Where can people find your channel, and uh, what is the best way for them to follow you? Yep. So on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Fleckus, F-L-E-C-C-A-S. And on YouTube, it's Fleckus Talks, F-L-E-C-C-A-S Talks. Very good. Now, um, carry on. Carry on with what you were saying about your... Oh, yeah. So um, basically, uh, going forward, uh, what I've realized is the media has raised the stakes so much that to buy into the media's narrative and agenda, you have to believe that Trump's done nothing good. There's nothing redeemable about this man. There's no hope for the future. And I've been doing a series called Trump's Not That Bad, where I go to talk to college kids, a lot of them who are apolitical, uh, like, like I was, and just kind of assume, you know, I don't really follow politics, but I'm a Democrat. I'm like center, center left. But they don't realize that the political spectrum has shifted so much that if you're center, center left, you're, I think, pretty much well into the new right wing at this point. Because the, the far left and the media narrative have taken a position that's so far left in the spectrum that anyone to the right of Ellen DeGeneres is now considered like a Trump supporter. Mm. So I've been talking to a lot of apolitical college kids who don't follow politics, don't care, don't pay attention. And I just try to find uh, some, uh, some common ground. I try to get them to agree with things that are undeniably good. You know, six million new jobs before coronavirus, um, you know, unemployment at all time low, people that are benefiting North Korea, denuclearizing and kind of putting their arms down. Uh, like those kind of things. And if you agree with them, the people who I'm interviewing don't realize that if you say, oh, yeah, that is pretty good. Trump did a pretty good job with that. That'll make you not progressive enough for the mob. And then they'll kick you out. So then it's on the conservatives or the right to kind of develop a more appealing culture and community. I'm trying to do it through comedy to kind of soak up these political refugees, these political free agents on, on the follow. Well, it's very, very powerful. So... Um do you see that these riots in America are starting to calm down now? Do you think uh, they've, they've passed their peak, or do you think it could, could get worse? I think they, it, it got really bad. I think once the National Guard went in a lot of these cities, it kind of calmed things down. The cities that we're having the most problems in are the Democrat-run cities, so it's still New York because they refuse to take the federal help uh, just to prove a point. Um, and Minneapolis is still struggling. So it's going to depend on the local leadership. Um, and a lot of the times the Democrat-run cities, it sounds crazy, but they, I think they'd rather prove a political point, mm -hmm. just like they did with coronavirus. And it, it is literally getting people killed. It's getting people, and it's making so many people afraid because there's chaos in the streets, and a lot of times the police are standing down. In Minneapolis, they forfeited the police department, and they burned it down to the ground. Have you seen the difference between the deaths in Democrat states and the deaths in Republican-run states. I mean, to me, that... I mean, I understand there's a certain point about density of population in some of them. Mm. There's but, a good comparison would be uh, Florida to New York. Mm. Um, I did an interview with Dr. Barkey, who I think you guys spoke with yes. as well. Well, he's, he's fantastic, isn't he? Great. He's the best. Yeah, I did two videos with him, and he explained that basically uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida said, we're not gonna admit any people with coronavirus or symptoms to the old people facilities, the old people homes, the nursing homes. And Cuomo, um, Andrew Cuomo said that the old people homes don't have a right to refuse anybody. And those were two different points of view. And the deaths that we saw in New York are astronomically worse mm -hmm. than anywhere else. I think 50% of total coronavirus deaths in the US are from the elderly nursing homes. Because he forced, he forced the them into or, or suffering. So Andrew Cuomo, I don't want to say you know he got these people killed, but his decision and his his lack of adjustment mm. really led to a lot of people getting sick and a lot of people dying. Yeah, I mean the other thing that I've uh, been talking about, and actually it was just just to just to go back on one thing, for those of you that are watching, this is an example of how Austin's videos. Uh, and how he is a thought leader and why it's very important that we all back this great man because that video you did of Dr. Barkey mm. was then retweeted by the president's son, Don Jr., wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Or it was put up on his Instagram or something. Yep. And you see, that's how ideas can travel now so rapidly and there is such leverage 
even though the internet platforms are doing whatever they can to suppress us, you cannot actually stop the truth from traveling. And as much as they try to squash down uh, truth tellers in one area, they will pop up in another area. And I think it's a great yeah. lesson. And and I, I saw that the other day because you did a great interview of him. And then all of a sudden I saw that Don Jr. Mm. was uh, tweeting out your, 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 your interview. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the other thing that I've noticed is that the, 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 uh, in the Democrat areas, they have been forbidding the use of hydroxychloroquine and zinc, mm. which um, has now, in fact, the British publication, The Lancet, has now retracted its article that said that it wasn't effective. So mm. it's very, very interesting. Um, I had a video taken down off of YouTube uh, where a doctor said, um, similar to what you just said, that hydroxychloroquine is not a controversial drug. It's been FDA approved for 50 years. We gave it to pregnant women, breastfeeding women. It's not like a risky thing. And that my video was taken off of YouTube, deleted. And then just a couple days ago, they had the, the study come back where basically mm-hmm. they said the data they released in the study was kind of, you know, not to say fraudulent, but misleading. Mm-hmm. And now the public's view of hydroxychloroquine should be changing, but I think everyone's kind of just moved on at this point. I think we're on to the racial conflict now. And I think that overall bigger picture is like the, was what we're seeing with the media, where it's basically, if you're on the right and you're conservative, you're following every big news story and you're getting frustrated and you're trying to tell the truth and you try to fight back against it. But if you're on the left, there's a few people that know the truth and are purposely misleading, but a mass majority of the left are just kind of asleep, maybe too selfish to follow politics, would rather trust Taylor Swift and LeBron James and all the celebrities, listen to what they say, and they just go from issue to issue. It was originally, you know, Trump will never win, 95% chance Hillary Clinton will win, then Trump's a Russian asset, then Trump's tax returns, Stormy Daniels, coronavirus, now this. It's just like the, the left's audience just goes from issue to issue. And if you take a wider approach and say, hey, guys, whatever happened to impeachment, whatever happened to Russia and General Flynn being a Russian asset, whatever happened to Stormy Daniels taking Trump down and Michael Avenatti. And I think that will wake people up because they'll kind of realize they had a little bit of a fish brain for maybe a year where they had limited uh, short term memory. But it's frustrating. But at the same time, there's an opportunity because the media's lies are very well documented Mm -hmm. and they're the last. 50 years of media and you can point to a million things and say this is when the media got us into a war with this country this is when the media lied about this and made people hate donald trump here's a clip they took out of context here's what he really said so while it sucks it's frustrating in the short term there is an opportunity in the in the big picture because they've doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on a, on a false narrative and on, on lies well you 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 you're, you're so right what else do you think we can expect before the election in november from well i think they're i don't know if they're going to be done with coronavirus or not i mm. think they're going to try and push another lockdown mm. um i don't know if you guys saw this but in in the america they were arresting people for one guy was on the beach paddle boarding on like a surfboard by himself there was a woman in the park with her child they arrested her they were trying to stop people from going to church and now there's just chaos and thousands of people in the streets and the same leaders that told us to stay inside are now, you know, taking a knee and holding hands with all these protesters. I don't know if they're going to bail on coronavirus and just move on to this, but if they, they, they could justify another lockdown and say that there was a, a spike in coronavirus. Mm. Uh, my biggest fear, and I don't know what the timeline for this would be. My biggest fear is that they acquit this cop that, that killed George Floyd. And then that would just blow everything through the roof. That would be the social conflict we're seeing now times 100. Mm. So I hope that doesn't happen. I think that guy killed uh, killed George Floyd. But I worry, you know, sometimes you think about things in a different way and some people who are in charge of some stuff are able to get things done that maybe legally shouldn't happen. And if they acquit this cop, I think the social unrest we'll see from that after would be mm. irreversible. Mm. But have you, heard, have, have you heard that there is a chance that that could happen? Well, um, they, I think they took it from a third degree murder to second degree. So they kind of are, I don't want to say overcharging them, but it makes, I think it'll make it harder to convict. So I worry about that. Um, and I, and I hope it just goes normal and, you know, justice is served, but I do kind of look at it in a way now 
where we're not dealing with good faith actors, we're not dealing with people who, you know, are motivated by the truth. And there are people in higher positions that could make something like that happen. Mm -hmm. That's very insightful. I mean, and I think it, it is, it's very important in a situation like this that not only that justice is done, but justice is seen to be done. Mm. And it needs to be swift and it needs to be clear. And I don't think actually anybody on the right for that I've spoken to, you know, thinks for one minute that uh, the police act, uh, officer did not act in, you know, in, in, a, in a terrible and disgraceful manner. And I think that's one thing that everybody actually does agree with you know i mean and uh you know also the other police officers that were were, were with him were, were really from what i could see of the video i mean it was a disgraceful mm. uh thing um you know what can the average citizen do to get active what 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 you know if there's somebody out there that goes okay well it's okay for Austin, you know, he's got a big YouTube channel. He's followed by millions. He's the president's son is retweeting his his communication. It's all right for him. Um, what would you say to somebody out there that is is frustrated and that wants to actually do something to help? What can they do? Um, mm -hmm. And then the other thing I wanted to know about is is what is your plan with your channel? Um, uh, you know, because you've got, you've created this platform, it's very powerful. What are you going to do in the lead up with the election? Because it's a it's a hell of a thing you've created. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. The um, the plan going forward for me, I think the average person can really get involved in so many ways now. Um, if we kind of just like ignore tech censorship, we're working on that. Trump's working on that. That's a tough thing to overcome. I think that's discouraging for a lot of people. They think like, oh, I'll never be able to make it because YouTube wants to take me down or not give me a voice. I think we have to kind of ignore that and not get discouraged by that. Um, Andrew Breitbart was one of the people that really woke me up to politics and really you know, brought me to the rabbit hole as to what's really going on. And what his message was, was you have a phone, you're the media. You know, you're at these events, there's stuff happening in your local communities and you have a phone. That's the kind of way with my channel, too. I just use my phone and uh, my roommate's phone. And we just have two phones go out there and, and get the videos. It's very easy to do. So if you want to get involved, it really doesn't take much. It just takes the, the desire to want to tell the truth. Um, get out there, get your footage, and send it to people. The, the good part about the, the conservative right is there's, no real, there's not as many gatekeepers as the mainstream media. So back in the day, or even now, I mean, if you want to get on the mainstream news, you have to, you know, get to CNN, MSNBC. There's a whole gatekeeping process. They have to be fully in line with their views, and they really are keeping out the truth. But on the right, a lot of it is independent voices. So if you contact me, you can just message me on Instagram or Twitter. I can reply to you, and if you give me some content, I can get that message out there. Uh, so that's kind of my goal with my channel: is to find voices I think are kind of underappreciated or underheard that deserve a bigger platform. I actually just found this guy, Seymour uh, Views is his name, a, a couple of days ago. Um, he's a black guy from Washington, D.C. He lives in the hood. He's going around talking to people, just kind of like really dropping some powerful points and convincing people to change their mind. And he sent me a video of his. I posted it on my channel. He went from 700 followers on Instagram. I think right now he's at 60,000. Wow. So in two so, days. So, so that's quite interesting. So one of your goals is actually to empower other icons other than yourself and to actually build up the number of other voices, which I think is a very, it's very big of you. And it's actually something that doesn't really happen uh, on the left. I've noticed mm. on the right, people are better at that. They sort of want other voices to emerge. Could you speak to that a little bit? I mean, uh, 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 who, who else? Because you've got a whole team of people. Who's in your sort of, uh, I don't know what we call it, the, the sort of, uh, circle. The, your circle? Your, who's in your circle? The influencer influence? circle, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's true at the left, too. Basically, on the left, it's like you either have to be in lockstep with every single point or you're kicked out. Well, and so you basically have to be like an individual within a group. And on the right, it's a group of individuals with their own thoughts and they vary on the spectrum. Um, yes. So basically, my goal is to just kind of empower these people who don't have a voice. My, my channel is called Fleckus Talks, but if you look at a bigger picture, I actually am not even saying that much. It's mostly like Fleckus Listens. 
but I, don't know, I think it's kind of funny. So I don't mind sharing other people's stuff. I don't mind not being in front of the camera or not getting the, the personal appreciation for it. So I think we're more powerful together. And when you see people that deserve a bigger platform and you know they're facing tech censorship and their you know, scrutiny, um, it is always worth the share. And I think that's what, like, like you mentioned, the right does so well because a lot of people still are the silent majority. They don't want to speak out. They don't want to get fired. They don't want to have conflict with their family or their friends on Facebook. Um, but when they see someone who does speak out, it really, it's more than just the content. It's like you kind of relate to the person that is like a brave person who didn't have to do this. And they're putting themselves out there. So the appreciation and the engagement I'm noticing is very high on the right for that reason, because there's not many of us who have stepped up. A lot have, but they're still not, you know, it's not as mainstream as being on the on the political left. So yeah, I'm completely dedicated between now and the election to empowering up and coming voices and kind of getting them on the scene quick and then letting them just go. So like that guy, Seymour Views, he's got 60,000 Instagram reviews. I mean, uh, 60,000 Instagram followers now. And it's kind of like, all right, you're up. Go do your thing. Go spread your voice. Go tell your message. You know, see out there. So that's, that's kind of the goal going forward in 2020 because no one else is going to help us. So we have mm. to kind of just use our established platforms to spread the word and make people go viral. Well, that's very, very impressive. We, we would say here at Camelot Castle, that is very noble. That's the, we say that nobility is innate. Mm. And a lot of people think nobility is from birth. But actually, it's not genetic. It's 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 an innate spiritual quality, and it's really the the, the willingness to have others win, mm. and to 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 get a win when somebody else wins. And that's one of the reasons why we we'd noticed that about you, Austin. And I just wanted to thank you so much on behalf of all the freedom fighters around the world, um, because you're not just empowering people in America. I know America is the issue at hand. But, you know, frankly, we're in it up to our bloody neck over here with these socialists and the communists. Mm. We're completely overrun in England. Um, so once you've sorted out America, um, I would very much appreciate it if you would bring a few of your freedom fighters over here to England to encourage, um, you know, people here that haven't entirely lost the idea of freedom. Um, if I just stay in the castle, you have a deal. Well, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Bring your bring your your partner or whatever, and 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 do come and stay. We'll have a we'll do a broadcast from King Arthur's Round Table. Yeah. How about that? That would be, be awesome. that would be awesome. that would be epic. Can you imagine that? That would be really wow. really fun. So as soon as we're released from lockup, we'll uh, we'll have a go at that one. Um, oh, that sounds great. And um, there is something. One other point. You've been very generous with time. Just going to have one more question for you. I have noticed that celebrities mm. have really started to lose credibility with their audiences when, especially on the left, where they have been speaking out. Um, what, what, have you noticed a shift in relation to that? Have you noticed that people are actually starting to get a bit sick of these characters? Um, Definitely. Like film actors and singers mm. and people who, frankly... They're very under-researched. Um, what have you noticed in that regard? In Hollywood, because you're, you're part of the whole Hollywood scene, really. Yeah, absolutely. We noticed it especially... Um, we noticed it with coronavirus. A lot of the celebrities were completely tone-deaf. You know, we're right there with you. It, yeah. It's so hard. Uh, I think Sam Smith, one of the singers, was, like, crying because he was, like, having such a hard time in quarantine, but he has, like, an infinity pool and lives in Bel Air, I think. I know. I think I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger feeding mm. carrots to his donkey or something Mm. and sitting in a jacuzzi with a big fat cigar saying, we're all with you, we're all in it together type of thing. I mean, We're all in it together. Exactly. So it's like the the left's narrative that Hollywood celebrities um, all fall under, it's easy to poke holes in it. So we saw it with LeBron James, for example. You know, he gets really upset um, when people don't let uh, or get mad when there's kneelers for the anthem. Like he's, he supports the kneelers and think that's great. But then, you know, he's also kind of for China and not coming out against China um, during the Hong Kong protests. Uh, So it's like, you see his hypocrisy just laid out there and people on social media now are coming in and poking holes in the LeBron James narrative where they say, Hey, LeBron James, you know, you get really mad at people who push back against the kneelers, but you're complicit in what China's doing. Uh, same with the celebrities during coronavirus, and even the celebrities now who are um, donating money to the bailout mm. funds. Mm. I see you know, that. we're right there with you with the protesters. We're donating a hundred thousand. Oh, I'll match it five hundred thousand, a million. Mm. 
And you kind of wonder, why do protesters need bailouts? What, what does a peaceful protester need a bailout for? It's for the rioters, it's for the looters, it's for these people that are actually doing crimes. So they're almost like funding in like, in, like a coup in a way. It sounds crazy, but like that's kind of what it is, especially now that Antifa is character, characterized as a terrorist organization. It's kind of like, you know, you might not want to be the one on the you know, other end of that wire sending the money. So I think the Hollywood hypocrisy people are done with it. They realize how tone deaf these people are, how unrelatable they are to actual Americans and the coastal elites in San Fran, L.A., New York. Mm. Um, that's not real America. And people are quickly starting to figure that out. And when they do, they're gonna. It's not gonna be a, a gradual distaste for celebrities. It's not gonna be a gradual decline in trust. It's just gonna go. Whew, where they're gonna say, actually, you know, I'm done with Hollywood. Late night shows, all these things. The magic is gone because of coronavirus. There's no more studio audience that's over laughing and over acting and over clapping. The power, the magic, the dark magic of Hollywood is gone. So. They're going to look for people to kind of step up and replace the uh, the crumbling left, the crumbling left Hollywood, and that's going to be, I think, conservatives. It's going to be a new foundation, like a soft clay on the right, and whatever we do in the next few years will be the foundation um, for a new conservative Hollywood to come that will, I think, replace the crumbling establishment left. So it's good because the tone deafness of these celebrities is really making people just, you know, have such a bad taste in their mouth for them that they're never going to go back and trust these people again. Well, we've noticed because we used to watch a movie every couple of nights and we never really watched no, television, but we used to watch movies and we used to enjoy and follow all the new product that was coming out of Hollywood. And I think it's been, I think we've probably seen one film in the last year because I keep looking through, I go, oh, I just can't. I've, these people's comments, like people like De Niro, who's been so disrespectful of mm. the office mm. of the president mm. and I just find I, I find him unwatchable now yeah um, and, and it, it didn't used to be that way no, I love De Niro I mean switches you know mm -hmm. and, and I, I wouldn't I can't wouldn't you don't fault his, his acting abilities I mean some of the work he did in the, what was those funny films he did the 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 the, the family one with the well, he's man made, he's, he's made yeah you know I mean and that, then he was that on you know the Johnny Depp and all of that I mean but you see these people and now I just see them on the thing. I just don't want to hear from them anymore. Um, so it, it has been a, a real um, pleasure and an honor to have mm. you on here. And if there's anything we can do at Camelot to help, I think one of the things that excites me the most is this stable of talent mm. that you are fostering. Mm. Uh, because imagine if you could create another 20 to 30, you know, Chris Tuckers uh, in your stable. You know, and, you know, all these people have to start somewhere, you know, and I think that's a real, it's very, very leveraged when you start to look for talent, if you, when you start to look for people that have the capacity and if you're big enough to not have to be the, 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 the main event and allow these people to, you know, um, win with you. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that you're doing and uh, really uh, absolutely fantastic and... Um, it's a legacy. It's a legacy. Mm. That's exactly what it is. It's a it's 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 a beautiful, beautiful legacy of life and of truth and and it's like uh, some seeds fall on stony ground, but some seeds fall on on good ground. And if mm. you can plant a few of those seeds, you're away. Any final thoughts for our British audience about? Uh, well, give, give those people that have been watching and they've been seeing the fake news in England, give us one final thought for um, uh, those decent fellows who all, all they're all good at heart. They're all good at heart. What can you say to wake them up a bit? Um, I would say that the me the global media at this point is compromised. They don't have our best interests. Their narratives are pushing division and pushing us further and further away from each other. We're not as different as the media wants us to believe. We have more in common with our common man than they want us to realize. And if you actually just speak to people and you listen, don't come at them with what they're most passionate about. Find some common ground first. I think common ground really solves a lot of problems because in order to fall in line with the media, you have to really see the other side as your enemy. But if you have a friend who maybe, for example, it's a pro-life, pro-choice debate and they're really pro-choice, Maybe find nine other pieces of common ground around that. 
and then let the tenth one be, okay, you're pro-choice, I'm pro-life, we disagree there. If we can find common ground with our with our, citizen, our fellow citizens, the media will fail because their narrative only works with two very divided teams. And the two teams that they've created are not realistically what's going on. It's not the Nazis versus the good guys, and it's not the you know Antifa versus the people who know the truth. It really is just people who love the country or people who don't. I think that's kind of the new division. So I would just say find common ground and expose media lies to your friends. If you see the media lying in a grand scale, show it to them because once you light that fuse in their heart, more darkness, more lies, more gray area, more smoke and mirrors will not make that fuse burn less bright. Once you add a, a light and a darkness, no amount of darkness can affect that. Um, and I think once people kind of get to the rabbit hole, they don't go halfway. They don't say, oh, well, that's a huge lie. I can't believe it. Eh, I'll go back to not paying attention. It kind of does something to them and it makes them motivated. And it doesn't go like this when they wake up. It goes like exponential. People wake up really fast and they quickly change their positions once they kind of see that they've been duped. So it's kind of like find a way to, to show your friends that they've been duped without disrespecting them. You have to offer them a road to retreat on, like a, like, you know, a bridge to retreat on. Um, that way we can find common ground. We can't just vilify the other side and offer no redemption. We have to be the side with a more appealing culture and community. We have to be the understanding side, the tolerant side that they claim to be themselves. And then when they see their own intolerance and the monsters that they've kind of become, I think the good ones will wake up and then the rest we can kind of just say, you know, those are the enemy. Those are the common enemy of the people. That is incredibly wise. That is incredibly wise and very gracious. And I completely agree with you. And um, I think you're right. Once they spot that the media has been the hidden third party, if you like, the hidden influence in society that's been setting us all against mm. each other, if you can illustrate that to people, that is a very, very powerful thing to do. Um, it's very clever finding a common ground finding, and finding the common the reality finding the thing that everybody can agree with finding mm. the reality point exactly because the media vilifies it in america especially you know trump supporters are these horrible people they're racist they're nazis mm. but like all of my the I, I saw this happen on a small scale all my friends from college they still like me because they like me personally even though i like trump and they don't so that's what I realized was like, you know, a giveaway where it's like, if you know the person's not a bad person, you don't let the people, you don't let the media define who your opponent is, and you can find some common ground and be likable, be funny, whatever it is, that's enough to, to make them not fall in line with the media's narrative. Because then it's like, oh yeah, you know, not all Trump supporters are bad. My friend Austin from college, he's mm -hmm. actually a good guy. And, you know, that experience, that interpersonal experience, even if it's one person, I think that spreads in a way because a lot of times people don't have access to the other side. They're not even talking to conservatives. The echo chambers facilitate that as well. But if you can kind of break the echo chamber, especially interpersonally in real life, that I think will do a lot more good. And people think that it's so, it's not doable because, you know, the media is here and they tell us the news from an up to down perspective. But reality, grassroots, Grassroots experiences, grassroots talking to each other, that, that, that's a lot more powerful than people think. Hmm. Well, you, you're, you're spot on. And um, uh, there's, a, there's a quote from English politics, I forget who said it, but I was taught it by the first cabinet minister who gave me my first job in, in politics. He said, all politics is local. And he was speaking to the fact that as in, in, in England, when you're a member of parliament, you have your constituency. And there you're sort of dealing with either the local fire service or the local, just general local issues. And he said, if you do a good job on that, the rest of your political career, even when you're making huge geopolitical decisions between heads of state, it's amazing how the, the grassroots has tremendous power. And I think that's the, that speaks to the power of your platform. Mm. You are listened to by the grassroots and I'm sure the President of the United States uh, and his family have tremendous appreciation for what you do. In fact, I know they do. So um, thank you so much for everything that you've done. And, uh, thank um, you. Thank you for having me on. This is a great marvelous, conversation. Marvellous. And, and do come back. And if there's any time you want help getting a message out and you feel that we can be of help to you, I hope you'll come back on and, and see us again. And I hope you come I definitely and stay. Will. And come and stay. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm take a trip. Stay Good. in the castle. I can't wait. Fantastic. All right. Thank Lots you of again. love. We'll see you Thank soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Austin.
See you. Well, uh, what a remarkable, remarkable young man he is. Remarkable and inspiring and very sensible. Absolutely. Now, tonight at uh, 9.30, we are going to be discussing the latest developments between uh, in this country in relation to vaccination. We've got Dr. Tenpenny, mm-hmm. who's been with us before on this show. She's going to come on and talk to and address what's going on. But we will uh, have a little breather until 9.30. But please come back at 9.30. It's really important. Please come back at 9.30 and please share this video. Thank you very much. We'll see you in an well, 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Bye. Thank you.